Welcome back to the Scholar on the Belt and Road podcast. I'm your host, Oli Malinov. Today, our guest is Victoria Hu, co-founder of the Scholar Youth League under the SCO Secretariat. Born and raised in Russian city of Irkutsk in an ethnic Chinese family, Vika shares with us her journey from Siberia to the Chinese capital of Beijing and a story of self-growth through understanding and acceptance of one's own multifaceted and rich cultural heritage. We've touched on multiple topics, including origins of Vika's family and their connection to China, experience of growing up in a bilingual family, creating scholar and learning not to be afraid to follow your passion, try and fail and try again. Vika and I have been working together for almost four years and I've seen her grow from a young, sometimes naive student into a self-aware and confident young person and professional. She's always eager to learn and through these years became an inspiration to many young people who have the pleasure of knowing her. I want to thank Vika for her honest answers positivity, and inspiring and forward-looking approach. I hope this episode will inspire you as well. Enjoy. Hi, Vika. Hi, Reem. Happy Spring Festival. Thank you. What does it mean for you? Chunjie, the, the Spring Festival. What does it mean for your family? What does it mean for you personally? Well, Chunjie was definitely um, a festival, a holiday. We all celebrated with our family, um, but not that much as the Russian or Soviet Union New Year, which is uh, 31st of December and 1st of January. Because when uh, I was... when I and my sister Valia, we were back home in Russia. That that one, that New Year, was more important in terms of the celebration for us than the Spring Festival. And I think things started to change when um, when I first and then my sister Valia, we went uh, to China to study, and we were not able to be back home by 31st of December, obviously, because of the studies. So we started to celebrate uh, the Spring Festival more than that New Year. So, but, uh, and I mean, it's all the same because uh, both holidays are about the gathering of the family right. and about the reunions and the union of the family. So it was um, just with different traditions of Russian and Chinese cultures. <laughs> Now, what about the food? Uh, did, during the celebrations of New Year's when you were a kid, uh, did you have uh, jiaozis? Did you have uh, mm. all the different foods that you usually eat for Chunzie? And how does that correlate right now with the way you celebrate Chunzie? Because you don't celebrate the New Year's with your parents again. Yeah. So do you somehow... Uh, combine the two festivities or are they separate? Well, um, there is a difference uh, certainly in um, in the New Year, the Soviet New Year and then the Chinese New Year celebration. Um, in terms of the food, we usually have food cooked, 
cooked by that, which is the combination already of the Russian and Chinese cuisine in a certain sense. Um, but then for Chinese New Year, we usually have jiaozi and we usually have uh, the fish, which is part of the culture for the Russian New Year. We usually have uh, this um, salad called Russian salad, olivier. And, Sounds uh, French. <laughs> it was. <laughs> In France, they call it uh, uh, the Russian salad, the Russian. salad de russe. Right. So, but at the same time, it's all, uh, it's not that much. It was never that much about food as about the family being together. And uh, in usually we also accept besides our family we also have guests coming to our house um, our neighborhood which are ethnical koreans uh, which are burats and russians so we also kind of started this uh celebration of um chinese of uh, the spring festival in uh russia in in our neighborhood as well all right. And where was this? Where were you born? I was born uh, in Irkutsk city, which is um, in Siberia. It's very close to the famous Lake Baikal, uh, which is the deepest freshwater lake in the world. So it's a beautiful city uh, where um, I grew up. Uh, we have a lot of uh, different ethnic groups uh, there, as well as Russia in general. But in Siberia specifically, we have a lot of Buryats. Uh, we have uh, um, some ethnical uh, Mongolian people. We have, uh, we're super close to Ulaanbaatar. It's like 200 kilometers, um, which you can go there by drive. And some people go wow. there uh, to fish to Mongolia. So we also have a lot of uh, ethnical Koreans, uh, the North Koreans. It's a Kore melting pot. North Koreans, um, yeah. So not a lot of Chinese. A lot of Chinese of the Chinese citizenship. But uh, in terms of the Chinese... Oh, they, come, they come there for work. Yeah, they come there for work. Um, they usually do trading. So not a lot of uh, Russian-born Chinese. And uh, in my case, I think even so far, I'm the only... I know the only family I know uh, which has this similar background as uh, we do is uh, the family that lives in Havarovsk, where they also have uh, this Russian-born Chinese right. kids. So how did your family get there? Uh, what's your story of your mom and dad? Um, so my story starts with my grandparents, the grandparents of my dad, uh, which are originally from, uh, they were from uh, Sichuan province in China. And in 1950s, they immigrated from Sichuan to Soviet Union and they crossed the border. It took a couple of months to walk. Oh my so God. They, they crossed the border by walking through Horgos, Kazakhstan. And uh, my dad was... There's a long march for you. <laughs> it is a long... I. Um, they had a group of uh, six or seven people. Uh, my dad was born in Tashkent in Uzbekistan, and then uh, he grew up in uh, Kazakhstan, um, and after that they moved uh, to Irkutsk. So my dad has also um, a brother and a sister. He's the eldest one, um, and um, my so he was uh, raised already in Irkutsk in Siberia. My mom, on the other hand, she grew up in Harbin um, in China, Heilongjiang province, uh, completely Chinese, 
from a very Chinese family. She finished her bachelor and after that uh, decided to go to Soviet Union. So it was um, the decision also by uh, by my grandmother and my mom. So th- she went to Irkutsk uh, to study and met uh, my dad on the first year. And this is how they met. And then uh, she decided to stay. My grandmother was against it from Harbin because obviously you don't want your daughter to be so far. And after that, so she stayed uh, in Irkutsk. And um, yeah, they they started the family, and then I was born, and my sister. So was she born. became a Russian citizen. She not um, immediately, but after. I even remember when my mom got the citizenship. Oh, so you were already born. I was born, and then uh, after I was, I think I was ten or something. So she, I, she decided to get the citizenship, not right after the marriage. That was um, yeah. So you are a uh, child of a Soviet Chinese mm-hmm. and a Harbin Chinese. And a Harbin Chinese, right. Living in Siberia in Irkutsk. Tell me about your childhood. How did it go? My childhood was pretty um, um, pretty normal comparing to other children, uh, except the fact that we, uh, me and my sister, we went to our Chinese classes every day for two hours, uh, starting from the first grade, since I was seven, I, until I was 17, basically finishing high school. So uh, we did the same things as uh, Russian kids did, uh, watched the same cartoons and uh, movies. At the same time, um, what was different in terms of our family was the fact that we were speaking two languages and uh, we would usually speak uh, more Chinese with my mom and more Russian with my dad because although they both know two languages, for my mom, Chinese was the native language and for my dad, Russian was the native language. Right. So that's why we mix the languages uh, in our home. But that's what's interesting, because when I was growing up in Tajikistan, Mm -hmm. I grew up with two languages. Uh, It was Tajik Mm -hmm. and Russian. But we spoke Tajik and Russian both at home and outside, um, in the yard, in the street, in in school. Mm -hmm. But for you, it was different, because you spoke Chinese only at home, and you spoke Russian everywhere else. Right. Was it difficult for you to adjust? So frankly speaking, I didn't feel any difference by switching between the languages. And it was not hard. We used to do that. Uh, It was uh, absolutely normal for us to speak. Because it was, I think, because of the family, uh, we usually would mix the languages at our home. So that's why it was um, also very natural to speak two languages um, back and forth. Um, But because of the fact that... uh, we still, I still used more Russian than Chinese uh, be, until before I was 17. My Russian became the language I usually use to think about stuff. Um, I think right now things changed a little bit and I usually use the language which is more convenient in that situation. But uh, yeah, I think... Um, Chinese was improved a lot by going uh, and studying it with uh, a friend of our family who also Chinese who is also Chinese and he moved uh, like 30 years ago from China to Russia so 
So in school, uh, you didn't feel any different from no. your peers. Nobody made you feel different uh, from your peers because we know a lot of stories uh, from uh, many different Western countries yes. that um, the immigrants, especially mm -hmm. uh, from uh, China or from Asia, mm -hmm. uh, their parents are usually not even speaking to them in uh, Chinese. Uh, so they grow up with the either it's uh, English language or whether it's in France, mm -hmm. um, and they feel detached from the uh, country that their parents originally came from. Did you feel that way? Did you feel? Do you, did you feel also detached from uh, from China, uh, or did you feel always attached because of your uh, mother and because of your father f right from the beginning instilled all of the values of the Chinese culture, of um, Chinese history, the Chinese language. Mm -hmm. Well, I think my story uh, is different also because I didn't feel any difference uh, growing up as Chinese in a foreign country. And uh, we, me, my sister and uh, my cousin, we were the only Chinese in our school. And that was absolutely normal. And none of us felt that we were somehow different. In terms of the connections to China and to the roots, I felt it, I think, on the day when I was born. Because uh, before I was uh, before I went to the kindergarten, I couldn't speak any Russian. Um, and I was uh, raised by uh, my grandmother, who is uh, my, from my dad's side. So she was the one who was from Sichuan, completely Chinese, and uh, I was always m with my grandmother. So uh, we, in that sense, uh, we we were very well connected to China. Also, during the holidays, the summer holidays, where um, we had like three months off, we would usually go to China to see to visit my grandmother in Harbin. So it was um it was a lot of uh, connections uh it was we ha we always had chinese tv so we also watched the cod um, uh, journey to the west and uh, we also watched the cartoons that chinese kids were watching right but here everybody knows you as uh, victoria hu Mm. Yet your real name is Hu Fen Lan. That's true. And not only is your real name Hu Fen Lan, it's also in your passport. Right. Why did your parents um, uh, decided to put your Chinese name into the Russian passport and not Victoria? I think, uh, so I was the first, uh, I'm the eldest one in our family. And for me, I don't really know how did that happen. <laughs> but my mom, uh, she uh, she was the one who uh, gave me this name. And um, my name basically uh, consists of three characters, where the first one is my surname, and the second one, uh, which is Feng, means phoenix. Um, that character is... Phoenix the bird. Phoenix, yeah, Phoenix the bird. Uh, it was uh, from my grandmother, uh, from my dad's side name. And then the third character, Lan, which is Orchid. Yeah, uh, Orchid. So, Orchid. <laughs> so that, one, that character is from uh, my grandmother's, from my mom's side name. Um, and that's why I have this name. Uh, Vika or Victoria was... Uh, closer to the name of my dad but because okay now i know the reason <laughs> it is I, I just realized yes. so my parents um my 
my my uh, every all the kids, all the three kids of my grandparents from my dad's side, they all have Chinese name in their passport, but they also have Russian names. So my dad's name is Hu Su Huan, which means um, 在苏联长大的华人。So the Chinese oh, so who, was, who grew up in the Soviet Union. In the Soviet Union, exactly. But then、uh, everyone calls him Victor. So my name is Victoria because of my dad. Right. And、uh, I think that was also one of the. And obviously, my mom she has Chinese name, and、uh, Nina, which is her Russian name, was given to her only in Russia. Right. And I think both parents felt more attached to Chinese names in the passports. But it was different case、uh, for my for my two sisters,、uh, because they have their Russian names in their passports, and I don't know why. <laughs> have same, you ever asked your parents about this? <laughs> We kind of, you know, it was、uh, it was pretty organic. Something something given. It, it, interestingly, in high school and in school, for my entire life, everyone called me Vika or Victoria. I have a lot of certificates from my high school where it's written, it's written Victoria Hu, which、um, is the person who does not exist if you think about it. So that was funny. Also,、uh, what is interesting is my my sister Valentina. She was although although her name is Valentina, but she was born according to the lunar lunar calendar on the Valentine's Day. Right. T C. So that's、um, also. So I guess my question is:、uh, Do you attach yourself to Hu Fenlan to、mm-hmm. Fenlan,、mm-hmm. or do you attach yourself to Vika? Who do you associate with more? Both. They're they're both my names.、Uh, it's the same way I associate myself with Chinese and with Russian equally. So it's the the same for me as、uh, being called either Vika or Victoria or Hufenglan or Xiaolan,、uh, which is a shorter version of、uh, Hufenglan. So yeah, both. So this is where I'm <laughs> trying to get at、uh, because when you came here to China,、mm-hmm. uh, what were your expectations? Did you feel like this was your country, the country of your ancestors? Did you feel like it was yours? Did you have that feeling? Before, so frankly speaking, before coming to China, I was really afraid of being away from home. First of all, and although I've been to China before, I've never lived by myself. And it's not. I think it's not. Of the fact that I was coming to China, but I was afraid that I was leaving home, and I was about to leave by myself. And I was seventeen, although it's、um, pretty mature age, but still.、Um, the second fact is、um, that I was studying with Chinese students, and I was the only foreigner of a foreign passport, the only person in、uh, our class. So I was、uh, I was also not sure how I'm going to find the common language with Chinese students because I've never talked to anyone of my age from China who was raised in China. So these were some of the、uh, fears. fears I had. But when I came to China, I didn't even feel that gap where where you have. The, the time to adjust to the culture. It was all very、um, natural, very organic.、Um, Why did you feel that is? Because、uh, you were absolutely right in fearing that you,、uh, coming from Russia, who identifies herself also very much with 
being Russian, yes. coming to China uh, as uh, someone who hasn't lived a day in China, uh, at the same time uh, going to be an international student, not really speaking English. Mm -hmm. So you were absolutely right in um, being fearful. But I guess my question to you is, do you think that Beijing uh, as a city or China as a country which uh, opened up uh, uh, 30 years ago played a big role in building this environment for you? Definitely. And I think one of the reasons why I felt myself so comfortable is because the university and the in general, the Chinese culture is very hospitable. So um, it, it was pretty easy to find the common language with uh, Chinese and foreign students because we were in the environment where we uh, were part, all of the students of the same university, Beijing Language and Culture University. We had a lot of activities both for both Chinese and foreigners, and it helped a lot to find the friends uh, to do something together. And in this uh, scenario, I didn't really have time. I didn't really have time to think that I'm different. I need to adjust. I need to. I need to do something to feel better because it was all super, super uh, organic. And um, the teachers, uh, the staff from our admission office, from our uh, international student department, they treated us <laughs> literally like their kids. So we were all. Um, shaped by this environment so when we um, go to the deeper question of um, uh, self-identity mm -hmm. uh, could you share with me do you more identify yourself as Chinese or as Russian or as something else or it doesn't even matter to identify yourself as anything so it started with the time when I was uh, in Russia and I didn't even have any of those questions i started to question my identity or identities when i came back or uh, i don't know if it's proper to use came back but when i came to china people and i and i got to know more russian who were studying chinese and then chinese and all the different countries so people started to ask me the question were i more chinese or more russian and i didn't know what to say because then I started to ask myself, who am I, whether more Chinese or more Russian? Because I feel that I'm both. And there is also there, there was also a point when I felt that I am a foreigner in China and not exactly Russian in Russia. So it was, um, was kind of not a struggle, but a way to, a journey to find myself. And I think recently I got the answer, um, like two a couple of years ago, uh, where I decided that I don't have to choose, and I don't mm -hmm. have to choose between being Russian and being Chinese because I can be both. And uh, nowadays, especially nowadays, it's it's just super natural because there are a lot of uh, foreign-born. Uh, Chinese kids or other Asian or any other nations, so. Everyone who is uh, coming to China is already, even the Russians who were born in Russia and raised in Russia and they came to China, they are already international. And um, it doesn't really matter where you come from, uh, especially for the millennials, for our generation. It's, uh, it's very 
easy to find the common language and you don't have to choose. You don't have to choose. All you have to do is grow within your different identities. That's true. And make it one, your own. And use and also use the advantage of being in in of being able to see yourself in different identities, in different shoes, and being able to see yourself from different angles. And I think this is important. Right. And so yeah, you're right. To to create one of your own. <laughs> now uh, you've been here for how many years now? For six years. It's the seventh year. And now you're a master's in. In uh, Tsinghua University. Yes, in journalism. What do you think uh, uh, your peers, and I know that you have international group of friends coming from different countries. Uh, Probably you can cover the whole world if you start counting who you know, right? And uh, your acquaintances and friends. How do you think they look at you? Uh, do they look at you as a Chinese, as a Russian Chinese? Mm-hmm. Because there's not a lot of Russian Chinese that you meet every day. It's, yeah. uh, as opposed to Australian Chinese or French Chinese or Canadian or American Chinese. Yes. Uh, how, do, how, how do they perceive you? I think they, first of all, uh, look at me at Vika. That's just who I am. And then if you start defining, then probably Russian-born Chinese would come the first. Uh, And this is also how I have been uh, introducing myself to new people, that I'm Russian-born Chinese. So, and that's just it. (laughs) And people would, um, I mean, we're friends because of scholar as well, of the Russian Student Association. So people would uh, not, I, I don't think that people are actually identifying each other a lot according to their nationalities and nations. Um, it's much more about what you do. And You're married. Yeah, and whether you, if, you're cap- if you're doing something interesting that people are going to, to, they're willing to talk to you and they're willing to make friends with you regardless of whether you come from. And this is the beauty of the world nowadays. But nevertheless, you can also say that when you introduce yourself as a Russian Chinese, it is an asset. It is, of course. Yes, it's, it is definitely, it's part of me. Right. And I'm proud of it. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Now, you just mentioned scholar. Uh, can you talk a little bit about scholar? What are its um, long-term goals and what are the short-term goals? There's many young people that associate themselves uh, with scholar. Uh, what do you think uh, brings them together? So uh, there were a lot of uh, questions. I'll break them up. Uh, the For me personally, scholar is a place where... I can grow and where I can try to find myself and where I can try myself in different shoes, where I can try different things and do not be afraid of failure because I know that there is a platform, there is a support mechanism which will help me if I don't have enough um, energy, time, or resources, or if I don't do the right things. And uh, what is beautiful about Scholar is the fact that people who are gathering on our platform, 
they're all looking for something. They're they're looking for themselves first of all. They're looking to try something new, and they're looking to the new experiences and to the friendship they can get when they'll be working together with a, a very diverse group of people. And this is the beauty of it. And um, I think I didn't even know in the beginning of um, creating this organization when we just started it, if I would know everything that we have done so far, even in a year and a half, I would just say that that is impossible. Uh, because we have achieved so much and it's it's crazy how much a, just a small group of people can do and imagine if we have more people who are who are who share the same the same passion and the same drive how much more we can do so this is uh, in a certain sense, our short-term goal, because we are already uniting a lot of people in Beijing, and we started to attract more people in China. But then also people across the ASEO region who are, if uh, who who are really looking to do something. And um, I think the agenda is really shifting towards Asia or towards our region, and this is the right time for the young people from our region to speak up. To, sh- to share what they want to do and uh, to start bringing agenda on um, on the stage and giving it really. Um, so it's just, it's a lot about empowering people and it's a lot about connecting people. So this is what um, really makes uh, me happy. And I think the fact that um, we've been doing this um, for a year and a half, spending as much as the full-time job time commitment on it definitely um proves something and first of all for us right does scholar define you if uh, Uh, someone will um if someone will define scholar uh by knowing what scholar is would you think that that definition will be closely correlated to your identity? To my personal identity? Yes. I think so. Because um, it happened also that I'm Russian, born Chinese, and um, Russia and China are both part of the SEO. They're m- member states at SEO. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, the Russian and Chinese languages are official languages of the SEO and we're in Beijing where the headquarters, the secretariat of SEO is in Beijing. So I think, yes, um, it's, it's, it also defines me. And even when I introduce myself, I do say that I am, um, I, I do say, I think I say a few things. I say that I'm Russian-born Chinese. I say that I, um, study at Tsinghua University and I do say that I, um, that I work on for <laughs> on behalf of Scholar Youth League, and I and then the conversation basically goes only about Scholar, because uh, this is also for me. This is also a name card that I can use to build our platform better and to unite more people. And um, it's very. It's actually pretty easy to see if people are interested, and then uh, because usually they are. Uh, if not always, then it's much easier to find common points to work together so we can build our relationship based on it. 
If you could predict what would happen uh, with you personally uh, in terms of the growth of yourself and your identity mm-hmm. and scholar, if you could close your eyes and you could imagine uh, what the world would look like, your world, mm-hmm. uh, the world of scholar in five years, what would you want it to look like? Okay, in five years. So um, I would say that uh, first of all, the name of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization in general will be well known, not only by people from the SEO region, but by the entire world. And uh, in that, scholar will play a very big role by spreading the image of SEO among young people who are in our region and beyond that as well. Uh, we will definitely have hubs in uh, city-based hubs uh, in all the different countries of the SEO, and I also see that people will realize themselves not only as uh, part of their, um, let's say, free time, but also be part of scholar and the region and what scholar has given them and take that to their career and develop that further with their projects, ideas, uh, friendship or any resources that scholar can give them. I do hope that people who are coming from uh, to on the platform, they can take all the benefits from this platform and develop themselves. And it doesn't really matter where, uh, whether we'll have 10 or 100 people or 1,000 people who will do that, although our potential is 800 million. But it's, it's a lot about um, taking it to the best quality. And I really hope that the quality of all our events will be and everything that we do will be super, super high. Thank you very much for being with us today, Victoria. Thank you, Alim. Thank you.